When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Hi, this is Harry Shearer, and you are listening to TV Confidential, a radio show about television. Thank you, Stephen. I want to thank the original producers, uh, Saul Elson, Ernie Chambers, and the writers, uh, Mason Williams, Alan Bly, Bob Einstein, Rob Reiner, and a whole bunch of writers. And, and I want to thank them for all the great writing that got me fired. And... <laughs> Ed Robertson, welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talks about television. They'll spend this hour paying tribute to Tom Smothers. Tom Smothers, the comic half of the Smothers Brothers, who was also the driving force behind the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Tom Smothers passed away Tuesday, December 26, at the age of 86. Joining us now is our friend David Biancooli. David Biancooli, longtime television critic and longtime guest host and contributor to Fresh Air on NPR, also the author of such books as How TV Became Terrific, The Platinum Age of Television, From I Love Lucy to The Walking Dead, and Dangerously Funny, The Uncensored Story of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, one of the very best books on television written, period. And, uh, Bless you, my child. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a sad occasion to have you on, but we're always grateful uh, whenever you talk to us, David. All right, and, I, and it is a sad occasion for me, too, but I'm always grateful to talk about Tom and Dick and the television series that they managed to make together and, and, and change television as a result of well let's let's start with that um what were some of the ways in which tom and dick and the smothers brothers comedy hour changed the landscape of television i really think it's a pivot point because in the 60s before the smothers brothers almost every primetime entertainment program was escapist it was designed and encouraged to take you away from what was going on in the 60s the 60s were as divisive a time as this era right now is but back then nobody was addressing it and so what the smothers brothers did they got this show and they got it as folk entertainers comedians who were making fun of folk music and were just genial goofy comics once they got the show they decided wait a minute we can do something with this and they started being more and more political more and more topical and tom loved introducing new musical acts, new comics. He was always on the lookout for new ideas, new writers, and just very quickly uh, changed the show 
into something so topical that they started having fights with the CBS censors. They lost some. They went to the New York Times and to other publications and complained. Nobody knew there were even censors before that. And so it became this big battle. And by the time the third season was over, the Smothers Brothers had been renewed for a fourth season, but CBS had had enough and fired them. But if it were not for the Smothers Brothers... Uh, and what they did during those three years, there would not have been probably a Saturday Night Live or a John Oliver or John Stewart, uh, Bill Maher. The through line is very clear. Well, not not only that, in some ways there wouldn't be a an, an All in the Family in that Rob Reiner was one of the staff writers on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, as was uh, Steve Martin. Uh, before he became Arrow in the forehead, um, wild and crazy guy, <laughs> Steve Martin. Um, uh, and I, I, I forgot about this going over my, my notes today. McLean Stevenson, I think, was on staff of, the, of, the, of this comedy well, you know, the, the funny thing was, with the Smothers Brothers, is that CBS basically canceled the Smothers Brothers for being so topical, but then realized that was the next generation, that was the way to go. And so they canceled the Smothers Brothers in 69, and then between 70 and 72, the same network, the same executives, put on the Mary Tyler Moore show, which was like the first feminist sitcom, Mm -hmm. MASH, the first anti-war sitcom, and then All in the Family, which was uh, the Let's Discuss Everything. It had a disclaimer before its first episode. (laughs) So, So they were intentionally going off for it. Yes, and... You know, in addition to the people you've already mentioned, Pat Paulson came from there. Mason Williams came from there, from the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Uh, Lee French. Lorenzo Music, the voice of Carlton the Doorman. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> Good boy, you are going deep. For you. That's <laughs> David Biancooli is on the line with us. David Biancooli, longtime television critic and longtime contributor to NPR's Fresh Air and the author of such books as Dangerously Funny, the uncensored story of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Tom Smothers passed away Tuesday, December 26th at the age of 86. I don't know whether you saw this, uh, David, but either the day of or the day after Tom's passing, there was a meme posted on social media. Um, it was it was a, a screen grab Uh, from the opening title sequence of the first Smothers Brothers uh, show, which was a sitcom that aired like one year, maybe 18 months before they had the the comedy hour. Yeah, it aired in 65, the Angel show, the Smothers Brothers show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's... But uh, I didn't see the meme, so so tell me what what the meme was. Okay, it was a a meme of uh, Dickie, um, like, opening the door to his office or his home, and Tom... Uh, with angel wings over his shoulder, because the premise of the show was um, uh, Dick was. It, 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 it actually, it kind of speaks to the era of television that um, the Smothers Brothers supplanted and blew up in a way, because there was a lot of it fantasy. Yeah, yeah. There's and, and so Tom played a guardian angel who was helping, who was earning his wings, and Dick was supposed to be the recipient. Of, of the Playboy of, brother, yeah. Yes, and uh, on the one hand, it got a full season, but in, on the other hand, it it kind of illustrates you know the problems of of, of when, when you get a very successful nightclub act 
a nightclub comedy, a comedy act and try to conform them into the standards of, of a situation comedy versus creating a platform or, or letting themselves create a platform that really tapped into their comedy and their appeal to the public. If I can say something about that sitcom for sure. like a minute, the producer was Aaron Spelling, who mm -hmm. went on to do Charlie's Angels and Beverly Hills 90210 and all that, so he ended up being a really successful producer. But with this one, he couldn't have made more bad choices. They, they got Tom and Dick's mothers and took their musical instruments away from them, didn't have them sing, and they didn't even have them do the comedy. It was written for them. And the it was successful because programs around then that were fantasy, you know, had had uncles who were Martians or had horses who talked and, and, and shows like that. And so a guardian angel was no big deal. But it was successful. But it was canceled not by CBS, but by the Smothers Brothers. They said, we don't want to do this anymore. And they walked away from it because they hated it so much. So when CBS came back to them to say, we're desperate, we need a variety show quickly, uh, because we can get that up faster than we can a dramatic show, why don't you guys do it? And they said... We hated the last experience. We were we had no say so of what we had to do, and they said, "Well, how about if you have creative control?" And Tom said, "Okay." Now it was contractually never in the contract, <laughs> you know. But but that was that was the bait that got them into the building. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. The FBI Dossier, a guide to the classic TV series produced by Quinn Martin and starring Ephraim Zemlis Jr. The FBI Dossier, now available at BlackPawnPress.com, Amazon.com, and EdRobertson.com. David Bianculli is on the line with us. David's books on television include Dangerously Funny, the uncensored story of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, which is available, which is still available. Uh, Amazon, wherever you find books, it is. I'm not saying that's just to butter up the guest. It is one of the best books on television ever, ever, ever made. It gives you the inside story of not only the uh, this Mother's Brother's Comedy Hour, but sets it, you know, like as, as all good books should do, sets it within the context of, of television and what was going on in the country at the time Tom's mother's passed away, Tuesday, December 26, at age 86. I want to uh, speak to another part of the dynamic of this Mother's Brothers. On stage, Tom was, quote, the dumb one, and, and Dick was the, was, was the long-suffering smart one. But behind the scenes, Tom was really the driving force. And this is something we've talked about with other great comedy teams, David. You have to be smart. You have to be a really good performer in order to play dumb. Yeah, and, and that duo, like a lot of comedy duos, um, there is an incredible contribution on both sides. Like uh, Dick Smothers, as the straight man, really sets the pace uh, for each live performance when the two of them are going back and forth and sets the tone, sets it all up. And and his reactions to what Tommy does are as funny as Tommy's reactions. But, but you know, Dick is so mature, or trying to be, and Dick on stage, I mean, Tom on stage, is like a little kid going crazy. 
and the two of them together really do it because Tom gets so much laughter just from the attitude, just yeah. from what he builds himself up into. And these are in the early years. Later, it was the comments and and the stinging topicality that got it more. But they were a wonderful comedic team. Plus, they didn't even start as a team to be a comedic team. They were a musical team. Mm-hmm. And, and then they were making they were making fun of of like the Kingston Trio and those kind of folk acts. And Tom, in setting up the the, the songs made so many jokes and malapropisms that they started to mine those for gold and then they started to write songs and then it just went from there yeah but, and uh, it, they were great yeah and I should I should correct myself he wasn't he he wasn't playing quote unquote dumb he was playing the fool which is different um, but 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 but, but it, you know no there's a lot of dumb in there you don't have <laughs> No, he, he, he covered he covered that part of the spectrum as well. Okay, uh, David Bianculi is the author of Dangerously Funny: The Uncensored Story of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, one of the best books on television ever written. Tom Smothers passed away Tuesday, December twenty-six, at the age of eighty-six. David is also the co-author, along with Douglas Howard, of television finales from Howdy Doody to Girls. A Another excellent book that shows how, in many respects, the final episode of the series illuminates the entire series itself. And in a way, the premise of television finales, David, in a way that also holds true to the demise of the Smothers Brothers comedy hour in that while there was no finale per se, the show ended prematurely for reasons you touched on earlier. Uh, The show was not canceled. They were fired. Yes, and the last episode that they had on the air, by coincidence, because they thought they were coming back for a fourth season, but just the season finale episode, the one that was allowed to be aired, uh, it was the next to last one that was ripped and refused to be shown at all. That was the second one with David Steinberg. But the final episode did air, and it was them bringing on their entire writing staff and production crew for like a group photo and and tom said something like it takes all of these people working against one another (laughs) to make this show which i just thought was so funny and they read uh a letter from friends then president johnson supporting their making fun of him and the irony of course is that uh, that that didn't last for long. Then once Nixon came in, Tom was sure that the reason why the Smothers Brothers were off the air was because of pressure from Nixon. I could never find that smoking gun, but there was there were lots of factions there. Well, well, You're he... right. The last episode is good. The show is good. The show is really important. And if you go back, there's a, there's a YouTube channel on them. There's plenty of stuff that you can find online. I guarantee you, whatever you find from the Smothers Brothers will make you laugh. And this is 50 years later. Yeah, the, one of my favorite routines, it's a throwaway line. I forget which album it is. And its I think it's maybe 20 or 30 seconds at the most. But uh-huh. um, Tommy goes, soap, 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 soap. And Dickie, uh, <laughs> and, and Dickie says, uh, what are you singing about? And Tom says, about eight bars. 
Yeah, yeah. No, there are, there are so many gold little little uh, tossaways like that, and their acts kept expanding. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that was so good about the Smothers Brothers at the beginning is that they came to television with two or three years worth of solid bits from their nightclub acts that their opening act each time, the two of them would do a number from what they did at nightclub, it was seven, eight minutes. They were already 20% of the way through with the show. I mean, that's, and they knew it worked, and it worked great. And those of us who had their albums, their albums were early on when they recorded them in the nightclubs, and so it was like a two or three minute, you know, piece on the record. If you saw them on stage a couple of years later, that had expanded to yeah. about eight minutes. You know, they just really had fun with it and ad-libbed and then and then quit ad-libbing and made it look like they were ad-libbing when they got it all down. They were quite a duo. If I remember correctly, um, and I, I, don't know, I, I don't remember whether this was both sides of the album or just one side of, of, of the album, but... Around 65, 66, 64, you know, the quote-unquote height of their nightclub popularity, which, which, which led to their contract with CBS, David. If, if I remember correctly, they did an album where at least half the songs were done straight. Yes, that was the, that was the it was either called Both Sides of the Smothers Brothers or Two Sides of the Smothers Brothers. And, and side one was their comedy routines, and side two, they just did songs that they liked because they were, you know, Dick was an amazingly beautiful tenor. Mm -hmm. Tom had a good voice. Uh, Tom was a good guitar player. And they, they could do that. You know, one of the reasons they could make fun of folk singers so well is that they, they could pass for actual folk singers. No problem. They just had a better sense of humor than most of them. And we've said this before, and of course you know this as well, one of the keys to satire is understanding what it is you're satirizing. Yeah, I think the best satire, and you can think of this with Saturday Night Live and, and, and going all the way back to your show of shows, the best satire is the satire where you're making fun of something you love. You know, uh, your show of shows in the 50s, uh, Carl Reiner, Rob Reiner's father, and Sid sees they were making fun of Italian movies mm-hmm. they were watching that nobody else was watching. <laughs> Who was going to foreign cinema in the 50s? But they loved it. And the Smothers Brothers, they were not only making fun of everything, but Tom would want rock groups on not to do their hits, but to do the stuff they were just working on in the studio or the stuff they were just about to release. He wanted He wanted the next thing. That was... Uh, he was he was really what Lorne Michaels became in Saturday Night Live and what Ed Sullivan had been in the 50s. It's like, here's the stuff you should know. Here's the new stuff coming up. Here's the stuff that excites me. And that that's why I think the Smothers Brothers show was so important. And if it had lasted a couple of more years, uh, probably would have taken over because this was in prime time. Tom's Smothers passed away Tuesday, December 26th at the age of... 86, what gave Tom the confidence to fight the CBS censors? He liked fighting the CBS censors. You know, they they at first thought, hey, you've given us a show. They gave him the promise of creative control, 
why couldn't he say what he wanted? And the first time there was a major clash, he went to Elaine May. Now, now Elaine May was part of a comedy duo. Mike Nichols and Elaine May mm-hmm. were like the hottest comics of the 50s. And uh, Mike Nichols went on to direct The Graduate and Virginia Woolf and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but Elaine May wasn't doing anything for television. And he convinced her to come and do their show early on. She wrote some sketches about censors. And they performed them, and they were very funny, and CBS wouldn't allow them on the air. And so how embarrassing that was for Tom, he went all the way, he got this great thing, and they wouldn't even let it on the air. So he went to the New York Times and said, here's the script, and started fighting and fought harder from then on. And then after a while, it became a battle and a game, and I always liken it to parents who were too strict trying to control kids who were too rebellious. So both sides were fighting a little bit too hard and giving in a little bit too little. David Bianculi is the author of Dangerously Funny, the uncensored story of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Take a quick time out. We'll talk some more with David about Tom Smothers and his battles with CBS over their censorship of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Plus, we'll talk about the Smothers Brothers' last public appearance in 2019 at the National Comedy Center. All that and more, we continue our conversation with David Bianculi here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.